Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina, and I am bringing you today's word for September 30th, 2020. I'm teaching a series entitled Greater is Coming. And really, when you open up your heart to the manifestation of God's promises for you and the plans that he made for you before the world began, and you live your life then in a tireless pursuit of those plans, walking with God, cooperating with him, being led of the Holy Spirit, He's giving you dreams while you're sleeping. He's giving you open visions while you're awake. He's sending people to you. You could be in Walmart and, and he'll send somebody and say, excuse me, I don't normally do this, but God said. I'm talking about when you live your life that way, you realize that greater is coming for you because you are now in a position to walk out what God planned from the foundations of the world. So this is part 36 of the series. The title of today's message is God uses opposition for your good. Look at me. Are you facing something this morning? Like right now, are you in the middle of a faith fight? Are you facing some significant op opposition? Well, the good news is that we serve a God who can take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it around for your good. God uses opposition for your good. We've been studying the life of David, and today I'm going to cover 1 Samuel chapter 19, verses 1 through 17. Whoa, that's a lot. 17 verses I'm going to cover, so let's get into it. So yesterday we learned that King Saul got to the point where he literally hated David. The Bible says he hated David, right? So Saul didn't care that David was married to his daughter, Michael. Saul didn't care that David was best friends with his son, Jonathan. Saul didn't care that the soldiers respected David. Saul especially didn't care. Matter of fact, it pissed him off that the people loved him. So David had it going on and Saul was furious about it. Chapter 19 opens with King Saul urging his servants and his son, Jonathan, to assassinate David. Now think about that. He called the servants, he called the son. He says, hey, this is what I want you guys to do. I want you to go kill David. Jonathan is like, are you crazy? Dad, that's like my best friend, my best friend in the world. And so what did Jonathan do? Jonathan went and told his best friend. He was like, no, my dad wants to kill you. And this was a dangerous move because, I mean, you got to think about it. Saul was unstable. Saul was so unstable that, that Jonathan was risking his life by telling David, right? And so, so he told David, he was like, no, man, my dad wants to kill you. This is crazy. So the next day, Jonathan goes to his father and is like, hey, dad, this is, come on now. This is crazy. This is ridiculous. Um, don't kill David. What's wrong with you? He's married to your daughter. He's my best friend. It was like, all right, fine. So then Saul was like, okay. And matter of fact, I, I like to say that the Bible's better than, than TV and the movies. I mean, this is like a soap opera. So he says to his son, he was like, all right, son, listen, the Bible says that he says, okay, son, as surely as the Lord lives, David would not be killed. So he was like, all right, you good? He's like, I'm good. All right. So then Jonathan goes and gets David. He was like, man, I talked to my dad. He's cool, man. Come on back. I want you guys to make up, you know, make up. I didn't do nothing to him. Don't worry about it. So he goes back, 
they reconciled and it seemed to work, at least temporarily. And so David went back to serving Saul. But then soon war broke out again. So David had to go, like, you know, to lead his troops in combat. And he, like he had done many times before, and he did it. But this time, watch this. Have you ever been there where you're so frustrated that you just need an outlet? You want to let it out. Some people do it in a workout. They do it in the gym. Sometimes people, unfortunately, do it, you know, in their marriage or with their kids. They just, ah. So David was like, all right, fine. He let, it's like he let out all his frustrations on the battlefield. And, and the Bible says that he attacked them with so much fury that they just took off running. They was like, man, forget it. This dude is crazy. So then he goes back. He goes back to the palace. And Saul is sitting there, and Saul asked David to play the harp again. And David was like, all right, cool. Are we cool? He was like, all right, we cool. So he starts playing the harp again. And as he's playing the harp, the king is standing there with a spear in his hand. Uh-oh, remember what happened last time he had a spear? And sure enough, he's playing the harp, and the king goes, throws the spear. And the Bible says that David dodged the spear, and the spear was like, boom, like that. It's like, boom, it got stuck into the wall. And David was like, this dude is crazy. So he takes off. He ran to his house and he was like, man, forget it. This is crazy. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then so Saul sent troops to David's house and they were instructed to surround the house and to grab David and to kill David when he came out. Now, Michael, David's wife, King's, the king's daughter, the princess, Michael knew what was going, what was going on. So she says to her husband, I was like, listen, come here. Come here, babe. What's up, babe? Listen, if you don't escape tonight, this is all in the Bible. It says, if you don't escape tonight, you're going to be dead by morning. So she helped him, the Bible says, climb out of a window and he took off into the night. And then like something out of the movies, the princess then takes an idol, grabs an idol, takes it over to the bed, puts it in the bed where David was supposed to be sleeping covered the idol with blankets so it looks like he's there, got a cushion of goat's hair and put it on the head of the idol so that it was like David's hair. Like this is straight out of the movie, crazy stuff. And then, boom. So then the soldiers are like, excuse me, ma'am, we need to talk to David. She was like, oh, David's sick. He's in the bed. He's sick. So the troops go back to the king. Is like, well, he's sick. I guess we got to wait. It's like, no. The king said, bring him here. I don't care if you got to bring him in his own bed. Bring him even in the bed. Bring him here. And so they go back and they're like, man, we got to get, if we have to carry the bed, we got to take this joker to the king. So they go back and they break, you know, I was like, sorry, man, we got to go. And so they go in and they go to grab him. And then they realize that there's an idol, <laughs> that there's the goat's hair and all of that. So then they go back and, and tell the king what happened. And so the king was, furious with his own daughter. And he says, why have you betrayed me? You let the enemy escape. And she was afraid that this, I mean, this is her own father, but he's unstable. She was afraid that he might even kill her. So then she makes up a story, straight up movie stuff. She says, well, daddy, I'm sorry. I had to do it. He, he said he was going to kill me if I didn't do it. Yeah, right. And so, so at that point, that's it. David is gone. He's a fugitive. He's into the night. Now, what does this mean for you today? You're like, man, Rick, that was a good story. I love a good story, but, but, I, but now I need some good stuff for me. Okay, I got you. I got you. I got you covered. So what does this mean for you today? I have two things to share with you in this morning. Two things. And I believe that these two things are going to be a tremendous blessing to you. So two things to share with you in this morning. This is where I want you to rid yourself of every distraction 
and lock in. Tune in. Two things. Number one, here we go. Study anyone who has ever been used mightily of God, and you will find a human who faced tremendous opposition. Pick anybody. Anybody who God used in a mighty way, study their life, you will find a human who faced tremendous opposition. See, God uses opposition for your good. Now, to be clear, this doesn't mean that God creates it. It's not like God is going around saying, mm, let me put on, some, let me do something bad. Like people say, oh, God put cancer on me, but then he healed me. No, that would make God schizophrenic. Don't say dumb stuff like that. God is not causing the bad. God is not causing the evil, but God is more than capable of taking the evil that the devil caused. The devil is the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And God is more than capable of taking the, the evil that was, that was schemed against you and turning it around for your good. God uses the, the opposition that the enemy devised to destroy you, and God then uses that to prepare you for your purpose. I'll give you some examples. So Jesus did not start his earthly ministry until he was led by the Holy Spirit to go into the wilderness. And while he was there, he was tempted of Satan. And so once he faced opposition and he came out on top, the Bible says that he came out. But when he came out, he came out in the power of the Spirit. Why? Because he had overcome the opposition. So God used the opposition to produce power in Jesus. Let me be clear about this. Where there is no pain, where there is no pressure, there will be no power. If you are a person that doesn't like opposition, doesn't want to face pain, doesn't like pressure, you will also be a person that has no power. If you want power, you actually have to expect pressure and opposition and demonic attacks because anything less would be an indication that the enemy doesn't perceive you as a threat, right? If the enemy is not attacking you, it's because he doesn't think that you're worth attacking. If, you, if you're facing tremendous opposition, it is only because you are perceived as a threat. I'll give you, I can give you lots of examples. I just made a, uh, mentioned a few. The apostle John faced opposition. He was exiled to the island of Pat Patmos. The apostle Peter faced opposition. Matter of fact, he wound up being crucified upside down. Don't even let me get started about the apostle Paul. The apostle Paul, are you kidding me? The apostle Paul, yes, went on five missionary journeys. The apostle Paul, yes, wrote half the New Testament. But the apostle Paul also faced more than anybody faced. I mean, so remember the movie, The Passion of the Christ? It's hard to look at when they gave Jesus 39 lashes with a cat of nine tails. And every time they pulled that thing back, it was yanking pieces of his back off. That's a hard thing to watch. Guess what? Paul got that five times. Paul went through that five times. Three times he was beaten with rods. Three times he was shipwrecked in the open sea. Once he was even stoned. Have you ever been hit with a rock? I mean, this joker was stoned. Not only that, uh, he spent most of his time as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ going in and out of jail. He faced tremendous opposition, but he also... God used it to produce tremendous power. So what do Jesus and John and Peter and Paul and David, what do they have in common? I'm going to give you two answers. Opposition and grace. These men face seemingly overwhelming opposition, but each one pressed through. Each one was able to leave a mark on this world that is not easily erased. You know why? Because they opened their hearts to the grace of God. It's going to be the same with you. If you open up your heart to the grace of God, the grace of God will empower you to do what you could not do without God, what you cannot do without him. So if you are facing opposition this morning, 
Let's say right now, you're like, Rick, oh my God, you're preaching to me. you all up in my, it's like you had a camera in my house. Okay, okay, if I'm preaching to you, if you are in the middle of a fight, if you are right now facing tremendous opposition, then I want to I remind you of a few things, three things actually. Number one, God is with you. So God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never turn his back on you. Number two, God did not cause what you're facing. God didn't cause it. So, so don't get upset with God. Don't look at God like he made it happen. God didn't make it happen. But number three, he is more than capable of using the pain that the devil is producing, or maybe you even produced it. God can take that pain and turn it around to produce power in your life. And once he does, and you embrace the grace to keep going, it drives the devil crazy. It, it, I mean, the devil is like, what is, I can't, mm, no matter what I do to him, no matter what I do to her, they keep going. You know why? Because you know what I know, greater is coming for us. All right. Number two, last point. I only have two points for you this morning. God, look at me to be clear. God never said it would be easy. Look for it. Go give me some Bible. Find me a scripture that says that once you're born again, it's going to be easy. You're not going to find it because it's not there. For whatever reason, people think that once they're born again, once they're filled with the Holy Ghost, once they know their divine purpose, oh my God, that once they start walking with God, that life is supposed to be easy. Now, I don't know where you got that from. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't know what scriptures you got that from. Now, I, I'm blessed. You will be blessed, but that doesn't mean you're not going to face anything. As a matter of fact, once you're born again, your life may go haywire. Like, I mean, becoming the person that God called you to be may be the hardest thing that you ever do. The good news is that God is not God is with you. It's not like God is expecting you to do it without him. David's life, to be clear, let's be clear about this. David's life was easier before the prophet came to his house. David's life was easier before he was anointed to be the king of Israel. See, once God's purpose for your life is evident, it may seem like your life is going crazy. But through it all, like it happened with David, David kept pursuing God's will. Many people think that, watch this, and, and I don't know why people think this. Many people think that God wants you to prosper. That means that you're not supposed to face anything. So many people think that if you are facing opposition, it's kind of like what happened with Job's friends. Remember, when things were happening to Job, they was like, hmm, well, what did Job do? Right? You know how people are. Um, what did Job do? Let's say you're facing something and you ask your friends at church to pray for you. What, what if secretly they're like, girl, what did she do to get herself into this thing? Listen, stop. Just because you're facing something doesn't mean you did something wrong. Doesn't mean you're outside of God's will. As a matter of fact, you can be right smack dab in the center of God's will and your life can be going crazy. That's exactly what happened with David. David didn't do nothing wrong. Matter of fact, he was trying to do everything right. You want me to play hard for this crazy dude? I'll play hard for this crazy dude. He's trying, he's trying to kill me. So don't take it personal when things are going crazy. If you didn't do anything wrong, you didn't do anything wrong. Remember that the attack is not against you. The attack is against your purpose. The greater the assignment, the greater the attack. But if you keep going, Satan can't stop you. Now, Satan knows, and, and I've made this point before, but it's worth repeating. Satan knows that he can't stop you. Like literally, if God is on you, in you, with you, for you, he can't stop you. Satan knows that when you are operating under the grace of God, being led of the Holy Spirit, he can't stop you. But Satan also knows that you can stop you, meaning that you can stop and you can give up, you can cave in, you can quit. So what Satan does is he tries to get you frustrated. 
He tries to get you to the point where you can't sleep at night, where you're pulling your hair out, where you're so upset, where, where you don't even want to think about it anymore. When you give up, you cave in and you quit. Because at that point, if you quit, Satan didn't stop you. You stopped you, right? So the only way you can lose, I keep telling you, the only way you can lose is if you quit. So Satan can't stop you, but you can stop yourself. This is the point. David could have walked away. David could have said, forget it. He could have ran into the night and said, I'm going back home. I'm going to go back and be a shepherd. I, I don't know, man. I, I'm tired of these people. But he didn't do it. S -s David could have walked away from his assignment because we are free moral agents. But David did not quit. David kept going. And eventually, he became the king of Israel. So I run into Christians all the time who, who just run from a situation at the first sign of trouble. People run from jobs, they run from businesses, they run from marriages, they run from whatever. They're just running away. Brother Pena, can you pray for me? Sure. I need to get out of this job. I'm the only Christian there. Oh, man, I can't stay. Well, stop. If you're the only one there, maybe God has you there, not for them to change you, but for you to change them. Why would God take you out if you're the only Christian? If you're the only believer, why are you running from opposition? Did God tell you to leave? I mean, like, God, people run away from the church. They leave a church. Did God tell you to leave? Did, if God told you to come, then you can't go till God tells you to go. I, I don't understand. I just don't understand how people can say that they, that they, yeah, God is leading me, and then they do dumb stuff. And then when you ask them, did God say, don't come to me with that? No. Either you're going to be led of the Holy Spirit or not. The Holy Spirit is not going to lead you to run away just because something got hard. Listen, how can you experience, last question on this, how can you experience God as an overcomer if you never stick around long enough to overcome? <laughs> Easy question, right? You, for you to be an overcomer, you got to have something to come over. Now, as I close, I'm going to get a little bit personal here. So this series is about faith and patience. And believe me, I'm preaching to myself. I've been waiting on something for so long that I can't tell you how many times that I've just wanted to give up on it. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been so frustrated. Uh, I've been tested. You know, I've cried. <laughs> I, I've gotten upset. I mean, there's so much I can say. But what I will say is two things. This is what keeps me going. I'm, I'm, a, I'm just being transparent. I'm going to share with you what keeps me going, and I hope that is a blessing to you, and then we'll close. There's two things that keeps me going. Number one, is I got to re keep reminding myself that God cannot lie. Like God, he doesn't know how to lie. Like he doesn't. Like he is incapable of it. So since God, I know there are clear things that God said, I know he, ha he has to perform it. If God said it, he has to perform it. If he declared it, he has to make it good. So that keeps me going. And then number two, the second thing that keeps me going is that I know I can walk away from God's promise. I know I can. I know I'm a free moral agent. I know God will honor, God will allow whatever I, will, I allow. God will permit whatever I permit. So if I walk away and say, forget it, God, I'm done with this. I'm going to go do something else. God is not going to stop me. But I also know that I'm going to get to heaven only to realize what could have been if I didn't give up. And that's that thing right there. Ooh, I don't know about you, but ooh, I can't deal with that. So that's the stuff that just like, well, I guess I'm not going to give up then. 
Because what I'm not going to do is get to heaven to realize that I missed out on some stuff because I didn't want to endure. That I missed out on some stuff because I didn't have patience. That I missed out on some stuff because I got frustrated. The devil is a liar and Jesus is the Messiah. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to cave in. I'm not going to quit. There's no quit in me. Greater is coming. I have the grace to keep going. Now listen, I'm preaching to myself. I'm ministering to myself. And as I do, I pray that it's also ministering to you. Let's close this message out with a declaration of faith. I want you to lift up your voice and say this over your life. Say, Father, I realize that there's often a space between the promise and the performance, between my confession and the completion, between my prayer and the manifestation of your power. And I know that the enemy will try to get me to give up. Jesus received the word from you at his baptism, confirming that he was your son. He was then led of the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And that word was tested. Jesus passed the test. So when he came back, he came back in the power of the Spirit. The same will hold true for me. I receive your promises by faith. Satan is going to test that word. But I will pass every test. And I will come out in the power of the Spirit. This is why I keep saying, greater is coming for me. I declare this by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. This is today's word. Please apply it and prosper. Listen, I covered a lot today. This might be a message you need to watch again. But look, share this message on your social media, on your timeline, and with your friends. If you're not getting my notes, go to todaysword.org and click on the subscribe button. Put in your email address there. You're going to get my notes. Leave me some comments in the chat if this message has been a blessing to you. And as you share it, as you watch it again, I believe that God is going to use this message, not just today, not just later today, but even years from now. Somebody's going to watch this on YouTube and it's going to help them, encourage them to keep going. I love you and God loves you too. I'll see you tomorrow morning. God bless you.